Keanu Reeves. I know Kung Fu. Give your heart and soul to me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's a plus. What is going on, fellow passengers? It's a pleasure to be back with you in the car in Rearview Movies as we take the opportunity to look at old movies with new eyes. Uh, I am Scotty Williams, and always a pleasure to talk movies with you with my co-pilot, our movie buff expert, Superman, Trevor Kirkendall himself, and my lovely, amazing, talented wife, again, whose only flaw is her terrible taste in men, (laughs) Heather Williams. How are both of you doing tonight? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to be back. Definitely good to be back. And for those of you who have been following our show, first off, thank you very much for following the show through the ups and downs, twists and turns, and very long absences. Um, there's going to be a bit of a format change because life happens and we want to make these episodes as portable as possible uh, while still making them fun. Because when you go chronologically day by day, month by month, you're kind of locked in. And Trevor and I have looked at movies before and we've said, oh my gosh, we have to talk about this movie And so Trevor, Mm -hmm. in his eminent brilliance, continuing to flow out of him, uh, decided to suggest a change to the way that we choose movies. And he also created the machine by which we do it. Uh, Trevor, tell us about that. Boy, you are really selling me high on this one, man. (laughs) I I came up with this idea in about five seconds and the machine is is, uh, sponsored by Microsoft Excel. So... (laughs) um, I credit my computer class in college for uh, teaching me how to use it. Because uh, you paid attention in that class, I yeah. didn't. Were you in that class? I was in it with with somebody else, but oh, I was okay, bored okay. out of my mind. But you, you okay? It was the same. You know what class I talk about then? <laughs> yes. I picked um, that class too. Yes. By the way, oh, the geez, little okay. the little disc is the save button. Go ahead and click the save button. <laughs> uh, this saves the copy of your work. Twenty minutes later, has everybody seen the save button? Yeah, no wonder. <laughs> oh man so have you seen this there's a meme that says uh somebody saw a floppy disk and my son my 10 year old son asked me if i 3d printed the save icon <laughs> <laughs> it's like yep that's that's the world we live in we're that old now well speaking of we're that old now i guess we should jump on which movie the randomizer spat out for us for this round well, yeah, so the way this works is um, when we started doing this, we had a we had a 20 year, like a rigid 20 year thing. Um, and I still want to keep with 20 years. So we're still going to look at movies that are 20 years old, but let's make it more fun. And let's go back 30 years to 1993 as well. It blows my mind that 93 was 30 years ago, but it sure was. But let's not stop there. Let's go back to 40 years ago. Let's go back to 83, the year of my birth. Yes, some good movies there too. But let's not stop there either. Let's go all the way back to 1973, 50 years. So we got four decades we're looking at here. 03, 93, 83, and 73. Mm -hmm. So I put a list together of 30 movies. And I put some qualifiers on which ones I thought should be in there. Um, And what we ended up with was... um, the top 10 highest grossing movies from those years throw them in that list and then we're taking the five at the time there were only five um the five best picture nominees from that year put them in there as well and i also threw in best actor and best actress just for good measure that way we can get some good performances Mm -hmm. should we land on those movies 
Um, and then what we're left with is a few spots left to fill up. Um, so the rest of those 30 were just filled out with some random movies that were popular or have become cult classics over the years or something like that. Um, you know, back in the 70s, you know, your best picture nominee and your top 10 and your best actor. I mean, those could all be the same movie. Yeah. But by the time we get to 2003, it doesn't always line up like that because that's when the popular movies stopped being Oscar movies and the two kind of went their different ways. Yeah, that, that could be a fascinating discussion in and of itself. Yeah, it sure could. So um, so we got some good stuff on here. I mean, we got best best picture winners from each of these years. In 2003, we had Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. 93 was Schindler's List. 83 was Terms of Endearment. 73 was The Sting. Um, you know, and those are just four movies that we could land on. Mm-hmm. Since we've got 30 movies over four different years, um, it's 120 we can possibly land on. So I threw them into this sheet. We hit the randomized button. It spits out a random movie, and that's the one we review. As long <laughs> as long as it's good. <laughs> uh, the fades don't always decide that for us, right? That's that's right. If it's if it's something stupid that none of us has seen, and, and believe me, there's going to be some stuff in here that is mm-hmm. that was scraping the barrel um, just to make yeah. these lists fill out. But um, I mean, even something like Wade's World too, right? Crazy. Yeah, I mean, I, that's in here too. Yeah, so that's just. I don't know. There's nothing wrong with Wayne's World 2. I might want to watch that. It's just maybe not for our first episode back. <laughs> sure, sure. Well, uh, well, what are we doing for our first episode then? So our, the first one we landed on was a really wonderful movie from 2003. At least in 2003, it was a wonderful movie. Uh, and that is the movie Something's Gotta Give. Yay. Um, yay. That makes Heather happy. <laughs> Women of the world rejoice. Yeah. Because it could have been the exorcist, but nope, it was it was something's gotta give. Um, we'll, save, we'll save that one. That's that's yeah. one for later time. That's, that one scares me. That's on the list. That's on the list <laughs> as 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 both a top ten movie of nineteen seventy-three and also a best picture nominee of nineteen seventy-three. Mm-hmm. Um, well, don't worry, so, there's something incredibly scary in this movie too. So there there, yeah. Um, yeah. So, so let's dramatic. See. So something's got to give. What's the qualifier? How did it end up on this list? Well, it was one of those ones that was just kind of plugged in there because it didn't fall into one of those categories. Mm-hmm. Um, and what do we know about this? Uh, this movie opened on December 12th, 2003. It was written and directed by Miss Nancy Myers, who you may know as the director of The Parent Trap. That'd be the one with Jamie Lee Curtis mm-hmm. uh, and What Women Want and the holiday and she also wrote the two father of the bride movies um the remakes and the sequel mm-hmm. and uh private benjamin with goldie hawn she wrote that oscar nomination for her for that one mm-hmm. uh this movie stars jack and diane jack nicholson diane keaton mm-hmm. pairing of the ages i mean um, really in terms of star power you, you could stop there and be fine mm-hmm. we could stop there and be totally fine you could fill out the rest of the cast with a bunch of nobodies but we don't with the three of us yeah yeah exactly <laughs> instead we add keanu reeves who is coming off of the matrix i mean the two matrix sequels came out in 2003 both of those are on the list mm-hmm. uh we have amanda pete we have francis mcdormand who's already a star of her own in 2003 already an oscar winner herself uh john favreau pre-marvel pre-star wars Mm -hmm. um but post elf um and we also have uh uh 
John, uh, I'm sorry, John Favreau and uh, Paul Michael Glazer rounds out the cast. So really yes, pretty, pretty quick role for him. Uh, like yeah. what, three scenes of that quick role, but I guess he's important enough for us to name. So we'll, we'll throw him in there. Sure. Um, did, uh, did relatively well at the box office, especially for $2,003. Uh, this grossed $124.7 million domestically. It added about 140 overseas, uh, giving it a total of about 265 million dollars overall. Against okay. uh, against an 80 million dollar budget, right? Yeah, something like that. So not bad. And all that money went to pay Jack. Um, <laughs> so well, well, because if I remember correctly, Jack for the Batman movie, 89 Batman, didn't he assign for part of his deal to be a portion of the proceeds from the film in perpetuity? Probably. And I mean, and. As a result, I would imagine he would have done that for every film moving forward. But that sounds like some Mr. Wonderful stuff from Shark Tank. Well, the other thing Jack was able to to squeeze into that Batman movie was top billing. Jack mm-hmm. Nicholson was oh. top billing in the Batman movie, not Michael Keaton. Watch it again. The first name on the credits is Jack. <laughs> and the movie's not about him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> He's the bad guy, but the movie's not his name. Um, well, I mean, iconic anyway. It's not like you're going to fight it. No, no. Even in 1989, he was already a stud. Um, mm-hmm. All right, let's see. Uh, really well-received movie uh, at the time. Uh, gets a 72 average on Rotten Tomatoes. And audience gives it a 69 average. So really well-liked across the board. The critics' consensus of this says uh though it is occasionally stumbling into sitcom territory uh it is mostly a smart funny romantic comedy with sharp performances from jack diane and keanu reeves um <laughs> that that's my keanu reeves impression make him sound like a super <laughs> oh that's that's going to be my favorite part of the episode pretty much like, moving forward surfer dude point break keanu reeves keanu go go back oh, to Lord. go back to, well, go back to the matrix and he's i know kung fu <laughs> Yeah, well, um, qualify that by saying I love that. <laughs> I, I've always enjoyed Keanu Reeves, but qualify that by saying it just a solid gold human being, pretty much by all accounts. Oh yeah, by all accounts, he's the man. So mm. can't say anything bad about him. Um, some awards for this movie: uh, Diane Keaton nominated for Best Actress at the Oscars that year. Uh, really well received role for her. Um, also up for Golden Globe for her. She actually won the Golden Globe. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jack Nicholson was also nominated in the Golden Globes that year too. He did not win; he lost. Uh, um, let's see, she lost at the Oscars to Charlize Theron for Monster. Ah, yes, I was I was and, getting ready to ask you that. Yeah, and uh, Jack over at the uh, Golden Globes would have lost to Bill Murray for Lost in Translation. Now, those are two movies that are also on our lists, <laughs> so maybe we'll get to that. Well, speaking of heavy hitters. I also noticed if you look through the the credits of the film, there's also a real heavy hitter in sound production. So Hans Zimmer, absolute juggernaut in you know music for movies, winds up with the credit as the music producer for this yeah. movie. But it turns out he actually wasn't the original music producer. Um, Alan Silvestri, who I always remember from Back to the Future, just iconic, and, and Silvestri has gone on to score a number of Marvel movies as well, um, actually had scored all of Nancy Myers' movies prior to this. But apparently the the story goes, because I had to do some digging, she said on a podcast in 2017 that the studio heard Sylvester score for the movie and said it didn't work. And so mm-hmm. Nancy had to make what she said was a really difficult decision, uh, replace him. They brought in Hans Zimmer, he rescored the film in like a week, but apparently some of Sylvester's music still appears in the film. 
Uh-huh. So but, they they, they yeah. did away with the Back to the Future guy and they got Mr. Inception. <laughs> well, I mean, hey, that, that's a lot like taking Magic Johnson out of the game and getting Michael Jordan in his place. Like, yeah, I mean, you're not <laughs> wrong there. Wrong. So but that that happens a lot more than you than you think, where somebody mm-hmm. writes a score and the score gets rejected by the studio or by the director. Um, that's not the first time Hans has had that happen to him either. Mm-hmm. Um he did uh he did the score for blade runner the the sequel a couple mm-hmm. of years ago but the original score was rejected by the director which was surprising given that that was uh denny villeneuve and i think it was johan johansson icelandic composer the late icelandic composer most unfortunately mm-hmm. uh, they had worked together in a number of films and by the time blade runner rolled around he wrote the score and they were like nah we're not going that route so they get Hans zimmer who Really did a good job on that one for sure. So <laughs> you're right. That is absolutely how I'm, how I'm sure it tends to go from time to time. Uh, jumping over to Nancy, because it's kind of funny. I was looking through some of the information. Um, Nancy actually has a lot of really good films to her credit. Yeah. Um, you know, she had, you mentioned some of the films, but, uh, you know, Private Benjamin, Father of the Bride, Baby Boom. That was a movie that also starred Diane Keaton. She was a lot younger at the time, of course. Um, Parent Trap, What Women Want, which I didn't know this. Uh, what Women Want at one point became the highest grossing movie directed by a female. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty cool. Um, and if you check some of the top box office grosses for female directors, honestly, if you look at some of it, it's um, it's Nancy, Penny Marshall, and a whole bunch of franchises. Hmm. The female director, Lee, I think her name was, for the um, or Buck. It was either Buck or Lee for Frozen, for example, um, or directing a DC oh. movie or a Marvel franchise movie but penny and nancy are pretty famous for directing successful standalone films in their own right hmm. yeah i'm i just i just pulled up a list here for it too and that's frozen is number one jennifer buck i think her name is yes thank uh, you I gotta, I gotta find the no chris buck and jennifer lee that they're oh okay about. okay captain marvel anna Bowden, and ryan fleck and then wonder woman patty jenkins actually excuse me number one was frozen two because same directors four, though yeah, yeah because number four was frozen the original number <laughs> five okay this is this is a bit of a stretch number five is the matrix reloaded mm-hmm. and they throw that on there now because they're both uh the wachowskis are both identifying as women but mm-hmm. at the time they were not so they were billed mm-hmm. as the wachowski brothers so right put that in there is mm-hmm. subject a, subject to interpretation yeah but mm-hmm. then we got shrek vicky jensen brave brenda chapman Alvin and the Chipmunks, The Squeakquel by Betty Thomas, <laughs> Twilight, Catherine Hardwick, mm-hmm. Pitch Perfect 2, Elizabeth Banks, What Women Want, Nancy Myers. Yeah, it was, it was just interesting to me that, that Nancy directed these films that kind of stand alone in their own right, because all the rest of the ones you mentioned, they're part of a big franchise. They've got massive studio money behind them. Uh, and Nancy's making these films that, that just kind of individually do well. Yeah, she is super solid. And she's been really quiet lately. I haven't, she's not really done anything probably yeah. since the holiday or she did. It's complicated. I think came out a few years after that. Mm-hmm. I did see that she's currently working on a film with Penelope Cruz and Fa- uh, Michael Fassbender. It's called like production in Paris or something like that. Ooh, mm-hmm. Sounds like fun. It's the kind of movie Heather will definitely be interested <laughs> in seeing when it comes out. But no, Nancy did very well, which is why it leads to one of the first big questions I would have about this movie. And it revolves around Keanu Reeves. Um, so for those that don't understand the general plot of something's got to give or need a refresher, uh, Jack Nicholson and Diane Keaton are these two uh, older individuals who happen to essentially collide with each other uh, when Jack is dating Diane Keaton's daughter, played by Amanda Peet. 
he has a heart attack in the middle of them preparing to uh, spend some time together and winds up in the hospital treated by Keanu Reeves' doctor. And the doctor says, hey, you don't need to leave. And so the film basically revolves around him, Jack Nicholson, getting to know Diane Keaton's Erica Berry and uh, and all the stuff that that tends to happen around that. But yeah, and you can pretty much write the rest of the film right now just off of that. Right. You know? yeah, yeah. Yeah. So my question is this. Uh, Keanu Reeves, again, I maybe I may have the highest opinion of him in the group, but <laughs> I do. Th- uh, Roger Ebert actually, I think, nailed it when he gave the criticism of the film. He said that. His question was, he says, Keanu's role seems like nothing more than a walking plot complication. <laughs> um, because, you know, that that's my thing. Is his character necessary? And is his character realistic? Yeah. So Scotty and I actually talked about that particular thing the other day a, a lot, like after we watched the movie. And I was giving it some thought this afternoon. And here's what I came up with. So you know how earlier in the film, they're sitting at dinner And Erica's um, sister is there, uh, Zoe, and she teaches women's studies, right? And she goes on this long rant. (laughs) Yes, very stereotypical women's studies professor, by the way. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. Um, But she goes on this rant about how the whole over 50 dating scene is geared toward leaving women like Erica out, right? And it's geared toward these younger women being with these older men. Mm -hmm. Well, I gave it some thought and I thought, well, maybe Keanu's character is to kind of be a contrast to that because here he is this younger man dating this older woman. And maybe it's kind of like, she's able to kind of like get around this and say, well, yeah, the men over 50 may not be interested, but look who is interested. Yes, but uh, for the record, who is not interested is Erica. I mean, her her character was disinterested in him throughout the whole movie, even though, yeah, throws himself at Erica Berry, like completely embarrassingly, like makes the girls tea, sits there and stares at them, um, has this conversation, tries to ask her out on a date, gets stood up. I don't know. I I didn't find Keanu's character to be realistic uh, because if I took her, if I was going to ask a girl to marry me and I went to a Paris restaurant and while we were at that Paris restaurant, she ran into her ex. Mm-hmm. Nah, bro. I mean, well, no. And that's that's how that's how it ends too. Because yeah, yeah, it I, is. I guess we should throw the spoiler alert on there. But it's <laughs> a twenty-year-old movie, so it's your fault if you haven't seen these by now. That's right. But um, anyway, uh, what happens? He shows up at the Paris restaurant. Keanu happens to be there too. We don't know that right at first. And then they spend a nice, lovely evening, the three of them, and she's laughing, having a good old time. And then she ends up leaving with Keanu and that leaves Jack all like, oh, I'm so sad. And then she shows back up and she's like, he said he's never seen me so happy. So he wants you me to be with you because I'm so happy. Baloney. No. No, no dude's going to say that. Okay. Conspiracy plot. No dude's going to say that unless he already has something on the side. Oh, that's true. Uh, yeah. Maybe maybe Keanu was was just making room for a quick, easy exit. That You know, yeah. that but, whole detail makes sense. By taking her to Paris. Stop yeah. and think about that. He's a doctor. That's couch cushion money. Whatever. <laughs> no, no problems whatsoever there. But speaking of plot and these relationships and how they develop, one of the things I was asking as I was watching the film is, again nothing I say in this is ever to take away from the people who make these movies. Um, You know, Nancy turned $80 million into 265 million with this product. And 
So the question I have is, I actually thought there were a number of times that the plot development was was maybe even a touch expedited. Uh, I, I don't want to say lazy, but it kind of feels that way in places because think about how many crucial conversations in this movie happen over a table at a meal and you don't hear a word. Right. You hear music and you hear like that. You get that spinning shot of them back and forth. The reuniting dinner with Keanu Reeves and Diane Keaton happens that way. Uh, one of the dinner in Paris happens that way. There's another one that happens that way too. Um, it's when her sister finds Keanu's character at the um, farmer's market and she brings him back to the house and they sit and have dinner together that evening and the camera just spins and spins. Right. It, it yeah. reminds me of like all of the plot development and the relationship building kind of like one of those ancient Greek tragedies where something important happened off stage and somebody just walks back in and says, well, this person just died, but it's just, they walk in. Well, Keanu and Diane like each other now. I don't mm -hmm. know. I just, because it led me to the question of, and Trevor, you, you've written movies before, so you can speak to this. How is it that a director or a writer can authentically develop a relationship between characters? Yeah. That, hey, if 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 I do the answer to that, I wouldn't be working. So um, <laughs> it's gosh, it's tough to do. I mean, but OK, let's let's talk about this. Then. There is another movie, another Jack movie that they really try, I think, to emulate in this like tonally. Mm -hmm. That's as good as it gets. I, I did hear that. Yeah, that that one nails it. That's ev that's everything this movie isn't. Um, and there is still a bit of like a age discrepancy between the two, but it that doesn't mm -hmm. seem to be like the the complicating man. And it's not even a complication here. Like that's just what we're supposed to assume. Oh, he only likes girls in her in their twenties, but Diane Keaton's in her fifties. Well, he can't like her, but he does. Mm -hmm. Like that's never really elaborated on a whole lot. It's just suddenly he likes her by proxy she's just there he finds her intriguing they, they have yeah. one conversation on the they have one conversation while walking on the beach yeah um, and then that's... And, that, and then and then suddenly they're you know then they run back in the rain and the next thing you know they're they're getting naked yeah. sorry bad memory but you know yeah. well yeah like he he sees her naked the first like night she's there what's up with that too by the way like I'm looking for the kitchen, bro. The kitchen's nowhere near that room. <laughs> you probably had to walk through the kitchen to get there. You know, so. they, they, they lean so hard into the comedy in that moment. It oh kind gosh. of, I actually thought it kind of cut into their opportunity to make that romance authentic. Because if you remember in the scene when he catches Diane naked, and again, we get that eye blink shot of just the whole nine yards. Um <laughs> You know, he like recoils like he's like he's had his eye flat, like he's had a laser flashed in his eye and, you know, goes up against, oh, my God, he's talking to Keanu later. Oh, I saw a lot, Doc. And um, so then later in the movie, he's trying to pretend that he thinks he's this beautiful naked thing when they're preparing to, uh, you know, do the business. And so I don't know. I actually thought it kind of cut into the authenticity of that while they were trying yeah. to get a laugh. I, yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff in there that is kind of like done for just done for that laughter. There's. Mm -hmm. There's no reason for that scene. We talked about the gratuitous nature of scenes like that. I'm not saying that's incredibly gratuitous, like Swordfish, one that we talked about a while back. <laughs> right. That yeah. one's that one's the the biggest offender. Yeah, I mean, it just it's it's uh, it's a shock value, almost. So, well, mission it's accomplished. Really the only, all I it's really say. the only thing anybody remembers about it, too. Hey, you see, something's got to give. Wasn't oh, that the one with Jack and Diane? Yeah, not the one where she gets naked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like two scenes later, 
they're walking on the beach talking. And I, I kind of listened again to the dialogue in that part, right? And it's essentially Jack Nicholson being like, you know, I looked you up. You're actually a very accomplished playwright. And she she retorts with, well, I looked you up too. You you built a recording business from the ground up. And then they talk and that's pretty much it, right? Because then it mm-hmm. cuts to more of those scenes of them walking and we find out she picks up rocks uh, of, of different colors. Um, and I was actually comparing it to another relationship building moment in a movie that Heather absolutely adores uh, how to lose uh, I was days, say, right? that's gotta be so <laughs> you got Matthew McConaughey and Kate Hudson <laughs> attempting to build a relationship with each other over a uh, lobster a crab leg dinner I think or lobster dinner yes um at a restaurant and you know what do they talk about as opposed to it in terms of building relationships the dialogue is so witty I love it and I love the scene where they're at the club too and they they have like a full conversation but it goes back and forth and they each only say one word at a time it's, mm-hmm. it's amazing that movie is far more witty and intriguing of a romantic comedy than this one is. So, because I know there's going to be some folks out there that are going to hear this, or the the three people that listen to this are going to hear it and say, well, those dudes didn't like it because those dudes don't like romantic comedies. Well, no, not the case. Um, I'll watch just about anything that is a movie. (laughs) So, yeah, we we did an in-depth conversation about Legally Blonde, and that's a romantic comedy. And that's far mm-hmm. better than this one. How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days is far mm-hmm. better than this one. There's also... Ooh, how old is that movie? Is that on our list? Here we go. Actually, <laughs> it is... It, hold on. Um, it is 20 years old, but I had to I had to make some decisions. And there were some oh. things that got... There were some oh. things that got left off the list in, in favor of... That movie is amazing, though. Heartbroken. Yeah. Well, I might be able to throw it on there. I'm just looking at the list again, and there's some other stuff on here that's <laughs> a little bit a uh, little bit more obscure that maybe we could do. Maybe we could do it. Yeah. Um, we'll see what happens. <laughs> well, and, and to, to kind of carry that conversation um, a little bit farther, the thing I think about this movie, I, I do think that the... And again, I would say this if Nancy Myers was sitting in front of me right now, after she uh, paid for my house, um, you know, I would I would say, you know, the there's some places where it feels like shortcuts were taken in writing the script and developing the plot. Uh, that being said, I think this is an example of a film where the story does not have to be magnificent because the actors are magnificent. Mm-hmm. You know, if Jack Nicholson could read the directions on a can of soup and he would turn it into something compelling. So Jack in my eye and this is going to be the unpopular opinion here jack and my eye is the only one that's acting here um, tell me more i think diane keaton's just retreading annie hall like hmm. isn't this 55 year old annie hall don't you think maybe not quite as maybe a little bit more more jaded and not mm-hmm. quite so not quite so eccentric mm-hmm. but i think it's just 55 year old annie hall hmm. that's my thought i mean i don't i don't know um that's what i got when i was watching it was i'm like i I've seen this before. Mm-hmm. I've seen this la di da la di da da da. So and- well, I, it, it could very well be um, accomplished actors playing the hits, right? Doing mm-hmm. the thing they're good at. Well, and she's fine in it. I just want to see something new. And I mean, obviously, I'm in the minority on that one because if she's just retreading something she's already done, well, it still made 125 million dollars, and it, she still scored her an Oscar nomination. So mm-hmm. hey. She yeah. she did her thing. So yep. mm-hmm. if it's not broke, I guess not. <laughs> well, and that's and that's kind of the point, right? Because if you were looking at this movie in terms of the trailer for this film, the story's not going to stand out to you. The story's just not going to stand out to you. What is going to stand out to you is oh my gosh, that's Jack. 
Hey, that's Diane mm-hmm. Keaton. Hey, that's Keanu. Cool. We're, we're in for some good acting and some comedy. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Hey, that's um, Keanu. What's he doing there? <laughs> <laughs> Again, I, I, I'm on the train that Keanu is an underrated actor. Have have always felt so. Um, obviously, those people talk about you know he makes the same face in every movie. He's got the same <laughs> vocal tonality. Um, but uh, I would I would challenge that with the movie Hardball. I think he was excellent in Hardball. Had to do a lot of deep emotional things, and was very good in that movie. Um, I also thought in parenthood when he was younger, he did a wonderful job in parenthood. Uh, but that's just me. And that's before we talk about speed and John wick and, and, uh, and point break. And you've never seen, uh, you've never seen Dracula. Have you? <laughs> no, I, I actually have not. Bram Stoker, yeah. No, I have not. Yeah. Yeah. So he's, uh, imagine who's he bill or Ted he's bill, right? He's Ted. He's Ted. Right. Yeah. So, yeah okay. Imagine Ted in the 1800s with a British accent. Honey, we have to watch that film tomorrow that, night. That is I am so lost right now. <laughs> oh, we have to get to the it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> just think, just think, just think Keanu Reeves with a British accent. I don't yeah, I can't do it. I like like I said, we, we should probably watch that tomorrow night. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I don't think we should. <laughs> Um, you you get you get uh you get a couple amazing things in there. You, well, first off, you get British Bill and Ted can't mm-hmm. beat that. But then you also get Gary Oldman. Yes, as, I was about to say that yeah. as freaking Count Dracula. It doesn't get any better than that. So mm-hmm. and it's not scary. So, well, there's a plus. Well, but remember, so it's, for some individuals, it doesn't have to be scary. It just has to be tense. Mm. Guilty. <laughs> I'm guilty. Yep. But that's my that's my bottom line for the film. I think is uh, there's a lot about the story that I thought was was lacking, but at the end of the day, it's going to be carried by by really good performances. I would agree with you. I think Jack's take was the best because he had to kind of go through this. You know, I'm not going to say midlife crisis because he was well past midlife, but definitely this kind of you know he starts the movie as this uh, sort of playboy type and then ends the movie sort of as this like very grounded. Oh my gosh, I'm going through emotions. He winds up in the hospital twice when he thinks he's having a heart attack and he's not, he's just going through panic attacks and, and the, the typical relationship stuff. Um, but uh, no, I, I thought he did pretty well. Well, he even shows that like the very last scene of the movie is like Mr. Family man. He's there with, mm-hmm. with Diane and, Amanda yeah. Pete and her husband and they're holding the baby. He's just mm-hmm. like, yeah table for four and a half (laughs) and then fade fade out and we have our awe moments like yeah well speaking of great dialogue how great would it be if right after they were to the appetizers somebody at the table says well fun fact jack nicholson has been in a romantic relationship with half of the people at this table yeah (laughs) oh no oh Oh, man (laughs) that's that's rough well another aspect of the movie that we don't talk about right like right they bring them together by Jack Nicholson dating the daughter. And mm-hmm. then we pretty much don't talk about it after that. And I think that's why they only got to a certain point uh, before he had a heart attack. Right. I mean, they don't go to go in depth about it so much, but if you remember, she's writing this new play and that is what her play is about. And she flat out writes like, I fell in love with my daughter's boyfriend. And that is just too weird. <laughs> Can we talk about her writing that play and that's that sequence where she's like the worst fake crying I've ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) It was pretty bad. (laughs) I was watching the movie. So I was watching this one by myself and my wife came in the room when that scene started and she was like, that's the worst fake cry I've ever heard. And I said, yep. (laughs) And then she walked away. She comes back in the room about five minutes later. 
she's still crying mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. And she's yeah. like, that is terrible. I'm like, she hasn't stopped. <laughs> there was supposed to, yeah. Yeah. There was like, supposed to be this idea that the crying like hits a peak and then elevates back into, oh, I'm figuring this out. But no, you're right. It was pretty <laughs> pathetic. It was that was it was cringy. It was really, yeah. really cringy. I didn't yeah. there's a there's a lot of this in there. And it wasn't my I don't remember thinking that 20 years ago. No, I, I don't either. either. It's so weird. Like, like 20 I, years ago, I absolutely loved this film. Mm-hmm. And there's today, no way. Yeah. There's no way that we much. became that jaded in 20 years. I mean, it's possible, I guess. Oh, but, 100%. Yeah. I just, 100%. I, that, that cannot be the reason why I've done a complete 180 on this. So, well, well, think about this. How many, and again, not to, in therapy, not to get any, any crazy specifics. How many romantic relationships have you been in and been on the wrong end of between the last time you saw, between the first time you saw this movie and now? That's really personal. I don't feel comfortable answering that. <laughs> well, again, not, you know, you don't have to get into civics, but uh, would it be that you looked at breakups and the emotionality no, of breakups differently I, than you did now? I don't, I don't think that has anything to do with it. So gee, let's ask you that. How many have you done? Like, <laughs> zero um, for both of you. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, we'll, we'll say, en- I will say that that might be one difference is maybe when you see it as a younger person, you identify with that sadness of breaking up. Cause I think that's what it's trying to be is like, Hey, she's going through these young emotions. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. But then as an older individual in, in, in serious relationships, you're like, give me a break. Just, just get up, yeah. go do something. Give me a break. Like, you know, get, get on, get on Tinder and just hit your rebound. Oh, I'm sorry. That's what Keanu was there for. Keanu's the rebound. Um, <laughs> the only way this movie could have been even more cliche is if, um, Amanda Pete had ended up with Keanu Reeves. Oh, that would have been really weird. Oh man. I'm wondering I, if I'm wondering if that was the original draft and it was forced to be changed. Positively Shakespearean, right? Yeah. <laughs> Could have been. But yeah, I just, you know, I remember it being a really well-loved movie. I remember it getting all those accolades. I think I remember Diane Keaton's acceptance speech at the Globes. Like that's how that's how stupid my mind is when it comes to movies. I remember the most ridiculous things and i just remember her getting up there being all being herself which is exactly what she's being in this movie which is just her annie hall and all that but that's how anyone's <laughs> gonna remember her is as annie hall um but, i've never uh, seen that movie <laughs> oh you'll like that movie you gotta see that yeah okay that's scotty have you seen it i have okay good similar, um similar point um i will point out very fun sort of kind of oddball sort of thing. Um, so there was a deleted scene in the film that did not appear in the original part of the film. And it was Jack Nicholson going to a karaoke bar or Harry going with a karaoke uh, with Erica to a karaoke bar and uh, singing La Vie en Rose to her Aww. from the karaoke bar. Um, well, <laughs> oh, I'm not done. I'm not done. Uh, singing La Vie en Rose to her at the karaoke bar. I would assume it comes in the, maybe it's one of the later pieces, like after they've been together for a little while, like maybe after all the stuff happens, because he actually sings the last half of the song in French. Wow. Oh, so like they said that she was almost fluent in French earlier in the film. Right. And, and that like was a plot. Taught him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And Amanda yeah. Pete spoke a little French as well. Yeah. She was. Um, no, she was fluent. Oh, she was fully fluent. Mm, yeah. Yes. Um, but uh, apparently I didn't notice this because I didn't wait for the credits. Apparently Jack's recording of that is in the credits of him singing Levy and Rose. Oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> cue, cue the Wisconsin uh, cheddar. Trevor does not like it. Yeah. No, I'm just trying to I'm just trying to picture him 
I'm not even going to try to impersonate <laughs> singing that. I couldn't do that. Give your heart and soul to me. <laughs> oh. oh, sorry, sorry, that was bad. Un- completely unnecessary. No, but well, let's close. Let's kind of finish as we start to bring this in. Just a question for you. So I had a, I found a really funny quote from Nancy Meyer when I was doing some research. Um, Looking at her her filmography, the movies she's done, uh, one of the quotes that she has is pretty famous. And I thought it'd be funny to reflect on. Um, I don't want to be known as the one who makes movies for older people. Mm-hmm. Is she? No, I don't think so. She's um, got yeah. a longer list of things that kind of run the the gamut, I guess. I mean, yeah. So they're not going to be about they're not going to be about kids in their twenties, mm-hmm. you know. But her stuff's not exclusive to people that are. Gosh, seniors. And even even Diane's not a senior in this movie. She's right. like 53 or 52 when mm-hmm. she filmed the movie. So it was she's not even that old in that. I mean, Jack's over 60, so he's in that, mm-hmm. that category. But yeah, I mean, I guess the plot of what women want kind of follows that same idea of people that are a little bit later in life. But I mean, gosh, Mel and uh and uh Helen Hunt, Helen Hunt had, yeah. had to only be in mm-hmm. their 30s. Yeah, they had to have been. That was my guess. Yeah. Well, um, what's interesting to me as I'm looking at it, early just, 40s, I guess 40s probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I'm looking, if you if you look at the filmography um, chronologically, start to finish, right? So the first movie credit I could find, Private Benjamin, 1980, with Goldie Hawn. Um, make as you make your way forward, it almost feels like the movies are written as someone ages and encounters the experiences of someone as they age. Because Baby Boom in 1987 is about a career woman who gets saddled with a baby. Uh, father of the bride about what it's about, you know, having kids who get married, the parent trap, what women want. The, it almost feels like, like as it goes, cause you know, uh, it, um, something's got to give comes after what women want. It almost feels like maybe her experience of telling stories changed as she got older. Yeah. I don't think the, I don't think that her other ones that followed this really follow that same trajectory though. That's true so, because then you've got the holiday it's complicated in the intern. Yeah. Which the intern God, was especially relevant when I remember. Yeah. That's the one with uh, um, De Niro, right? Is that De Niro, yeah, thought it was. So. And uh, Anne Hathaway, is that right? Mm-hmm. So. Um, so, question for the two of you: Will this film be sequeled, remade, or rebooted? A-, a movie like this would never get made in 2023. Not not subject matter wise, but just this type of movie does not get made anymore. And it's it's sad. And if it does get made, it's going to Netflix or something. And that's not a that's not a knock. I mean, Netflix has made some really good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, these are not the types of movies that really get out there anymore. When's the last time you saw like solid romantic comedy with names this big showing in the movie theaters? It doesn't happen anymore. Because if they make this movie, then that's one less screen we get to show Guardians of the Galaxy on. And heaven forbid, <laughs> heaven forbid that that happens so right yeah no 100 percent um i i have a stupid opinion i think it will eventually be remade because leonardo dicaprio is going to get that old and he's got to do this part too of course that's true <laughs> yeah come on yeah. this this part is 100 percent written for leo you can't come on yeah that's true leo will eventually do a role where he's uh acting as himself you know dating women around their 30s Mm-hmm. I can totally see that. I can too. I'm trying to think yeah. who's the Amanda Peake character. It's gonna. It's got to be somebody that's like. I love the devilish smile. I would love to hear what's percolating. I don't know. Like I, I should say, it's got to be somebody that's like you have to go ew, like Millie Bobby Brown. Whoa, 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 whoa! Millie Bobby Brown makes you go ew. Come on, come on. No, they, <laughs> she's like. 
12. Oh, oh that where the age difference makes yeah. you go ew. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's okay. what he, yeah, that's okay. what he meant. She's not, I know she's not 12, but I'm just saying that yeah. she's, I mean, I guess she's, well, she's probably right in Leo's age range right now, but. Okay, still, well. Gross. Yeah, I think you're right. Leo would have to do this, um, but he won't. And and thankfully, we won't see this movie get remade. Heather, what about you? What do, do you think it will? Um, I don't know. I think it's a possibility. I think it. I, I think they could take the same sort of plot line and try to redo it. Um, I think it could be funny again with some better writing. Oh, different need writing. To, they need to reboot it, but make Amanda Pete the Diane Keaton character. Oh, there you go. Yeah. And what did she have? A son or a daughter? Daughter. Daughter. Perfect. Well, hey, that's you. You look at some of the really good, some of the reboots and remakes recently that have been good. What have they involved? Children of the major characters, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Top Gun Maverick, Goose's son, Ghostbusters Afterlife, Egon's granddaughter. Like it's a, it's a thing. That's Mm -hmm. true. But, uh, but they are finding a way to still tell good stories. Yeah. Although, Calling this a good story is a big stretch, sir. (laughs) Well, but hey, when we talked about Top Gun, we said everything about the movie was was pretty unwatchable except the flying scenes. Um, But the sequel was an effort that was far more nuanced and complex, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So so it's not impossible that they could turn out a more nuanced and complex version of this film in in a remake. They won't do it because a movie, like I said, a movie like this won't get, get done. Well, going back to what you mentioned about they're just not part of major franchises, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, you've got, uh, we talked earlier about the the female directors um, getting into these box office gross lists by way of a major franchise. Um, and, uh, you know, that after Nancy, Nancy and, and, and Penny Marshall, right. Mm. Um, who is the next one in that, in that line of directors there, you know, can, can a Penny Marshall even exist in this era of movie making? Well, yeah. I mean, they sure, I would say you can, as long as you're making good movies. So Mm. I just, there, there's, there's more to it than just the Marvel stuff. And that's where they're, Mm -hmm. that's where they're going. And that's where they're hiring because they're Marvel's trying at least to, maybe diversify their group of people that are behind the camera. Mm-hmm. So I think they might be taking it a little bit to the extreme because in doing so they're saying, you know, Oh, well this, this movie is about a female character. So the only possible person to direct is a female, you know, heaven forbid. So, so you're telling me a female cannot direct another Iron Man. Mm-hmm. She could only direct Captain Marvel. Is that is that what they're saying? Right. Or, it's it's pigeonholing in its own yeah. way, right? Or or uh Shang Chi can only be directed by an Asian or Blade can only be directed by a mm-hmm. black man. You're telling well, me that they can't direct Iron Man or Captain America? Mm-hmm. Like stop mm-hmm. with that and just hire the yeah. good people for the job. Mm-hmm. Well, the, you t- you look at a recent film. We saw the the recent film The Whale, which I thought was a complete masterpiece. Um, most of the, of the, you know, quote unquote outrage around the movie was, well, why did, why did you hire Brendan Fraser? Why not get an actual morbidly obese person to do the role? Well, um, because I think in that case, that was, that was a, that was a, uh, a movie that was driven for a singular person and in Hollywood, uh, sorry, you're going to find that big. <laughs> no one out there is everyone's. Mm-hmm. gluten-free vegans out there so <laughs> it's it's just not gonna happen unfortunately mm-hmm. um, um so i guess to, to put a bow on things uh trevor um we've talked a little bit about it but uh it sounds like you liked this film less on the rewatch than you did originally <laughs> far less <laughs> it it took me multiple 
sittings to get through this one. So not quite in my painful category, but boy, is it close. It's just, aside from Jack, aside from Diane Keaton, it's no, mm. this, this is a big no for me. Um, Heather, how about you? You know, I was really surprised. I positively loved this movie the first, I don't know, 10, 15 times I watched it. Um, honestly, I, I did. You, you, I heard that. Um, but I was legitimately surprised at some of the things that I caught on to this time and some of the things that just kind of made me go, why did they do it this way? Um, I definitely didn't hate the movie. It still made me laugh in places. Um, but I did not enjoy it nearly as much as I did 20 years ago. Hmm. Um, so I'm going to say I enjoyed the film maybe a little bit less than I did the first time I watched it. Um, and that was because when I watched it the first time I understood it for pretty much what it was, right. Uh, a romantic comedy with kind of a, kind of a, I hate to say a woman's touch on it, but it all goes back to the scene where we first meet Keanu Reeves as doctor and uh, Nicholson's in the back getting treated and he decides to give tea to the women. And we have this completely gratuitous, unnecessary scene where he's handing tea to Amanda Pete and Francis McDormand and, um, and Diane Keaton. And they're all doing their best, like, oh, thank you, doctor, impression. And it's like, yeah. Well, oh, not not Diane Keaton. She was actually quite surprised. She, he handed over the tea and she's like, oh. Oh, thanks. Look, and- <laughs> the women's studies professor yes. pulls a little bit yes, of bat the eyes and show the hands, right? She, like she did, and so did Amanda Pete's character. So right. I mean, there there was there was a little bend and snap in there, is all I'm gonna say. Um, <laughs> but uh no, I liked it a little bit less. Um, only because, like I said, I, I would have loved to see more intentionality in the story and the relationship building because um I, I look for that more in movies now, like how is relationship built uh, through the way that these stories are told? Because now that we're this age, we've seen these stories a hundred times. What makes them different when we watch them with new eyes? Well, how does the director get us from point A to point B? So uh, I guess that kind of closes the book there on Something's Gotta Give. Um, we're really thrilled to be back with you talking movies, and we're actually already ready to hit our randomizer and talk about uh, oh, what we're yeah. going to be looking at. Um, so Trevor Trevor has done this. Uh, Heather and I's reactions will be authentic because we have not heard what's been chosen yeah, yet, I've, and uh, well, Trevor I, can tell I'm us. I'm going to hit the button right now on my <laughs> on my spreadsheet. If I'm like two, super if, nervous right now. For if, the there's, record. if there's two things I love in this world, it's making spreadsheets and making lists. So, <laughs> <laughs> if I could do both at the same time, I'm going to. Oh so, man, cue the cue the, ro- the robotic computer noise. Oh well, yeah, hey, I was Trevor's, say, no Trevor's doing some no 2000 no movie hacking. He's doing some 2000 movie hacking. He's tapping, tap, yeah, tap, 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 tap. Okay, here we go. Randomize. No whammies. No whammies. No whammies. Stop. Oh, Scotty. You're gonna love this one. Some oh, more no. John, some more John Favreau here. Actually, Ooh. yeah, some more John Favreau and some more, uh, uh, some Sean Astin for you. Our oh. movie next week is going to be none other than Rudy from 1993. Oh man! Oh, okay. Oh, man, Rudy. Ooh, oh, good. No. Yay! <laughs> it's definitely. You've- You've staved off Cujo and The Exorcist for another week. <laughs> or another Thank God or the nightmares can wait. Yeah. Hey, you know what? Completely forgot John Favreau was in that film. So no, very yeah. excited to check that out. Um, well, folks, uh, there you hear it. If you've got the time between now and the next time we uh, we hit the airwaves, you can uh, check out Rudy and then we can all talk about it together here in the rear view. Don't forget to interact with us on our various social media outlets and 
enjoy your drive and uh, looking forward to the next time you get to check out an old movie with new eyes. Hit that like and subscribe button.